This week, fans will be fixing to fight. This includes many Christian fans, unfortunately. We won't say what they'll be fighting about, except to say the topic this week is prime for debate. That's like many topics that Christians dispute, not just relating to politics, but relating to the fantastical stories we enjoy together. Meanwhile, in the Lorehaven Guild, we are enjoying, so far, Lord willing, a respite from those clashes, and we want to keep following our code of honor that applies to all members. How can Christian fans follow such honor codes wherever they go and whatever they debate? Welcome back to Fantastical Truth, the hopefully peaceful podcast from Lorehaven in which we explore fantastical stories for God's glory and apply their meanings to the real world Jesus calls us to serve. I'm Steamer Burnett. I publish Lorehaven. I also co-authored a nonfiction book about fiction called The Pop Culture Parents. And I'm Zachary Russell, and as a native Texan, we call it wrestling. And this is episode 127, Can a Code of Honor Help Christian Unity in Creative Groups? Zach, uh, we seem to have accidentally made a series for the summer here on the podcast, uh, which I sort of retroactively called the hot topics. Not every episode over the summer was about a hot topic, but plenty of them were. So now we're exiting the summer heat, and I thought it would be just a great time to make a hot topic episode about the very topic of hot topics, if you can say that 13 times fast, having nothing <laughs> to do with a particular geekish retailer. We're heading into a couple of other sagas in September and October. So I guess you could call this the sort of incidental grand finale to all those hot topics. Yeah, well, this is good timing. I mean, in, here in Texas, we've had such a big drought for months. And then all of a sudden, we the heavens opened this past week. We had rain and thunder and lightning. In fact, Naomi and I were out last night, and uh, we were about to walk to the car in this gigantic thunderstorm with tons of lightning just hit. That was fun. Well, it was fun for her because she always likes those movies where they run in the rain and kiss. And I was like, I don't want to get electrocuted. And I think that's a good analogy for what may be about to hit. There's there's these thunderstorms on the horizon that are kind of inching their way forward. And uh, yes, there's they're full of danger for Christians who are in several fandoms right now. Well, the right kind of thunderstorm can be refreshing. It can relieve the drought. It can give people <laughs> a chance to grow. Uh, not just get hit by lightning. So uh, hopefully we're going to have more refreshing rain than electrifying heat in this episode, uh, which, of course, is why we're going to get to our concession stand in a moment, switching metaphors from weather to food. But first, uh, speaking of uh, weather, we're going to get to our first sponsor for this episode once again, which is Enclave Publishing and the novel Blood Secrets, uh, currently the newest title from Enclave by Morgan Bussey. Here's the cover description. Not everyone wants to see the world saved. Time is running out. Cities are being engulfed in the mist, and humanity is on the brink of extinction. Theo believes he has found a way to stop mankind from turning, but he doesn't know how to alter Cass's unique blood into a cure, or if that can even be done. Meanwhile, Cass struggles with the idea that she is possibly the savior of the world, a world she is not sure is worth saving. Enclave Publishing is the publisher of Blood Secrets, which is the exciting second book in the Skyward series by Christie Award finalist Morgan Bussey. She's the winner of the Selah, Inspi Reader's Choice, and Carol Awards. Now available wherever outstanding books are sold. It's also available in ebook and in audiobook from Oasis Audio. Visit EnclavePublishing.com for more information on Blood Secrets and other exciting titles. You can find all those links currently atop our podcast sponsors page, lorehaven.com slash podcast sponsors, or get the basic link atop our show notes for episode 127. Zach, are you hungry? Because we had a big uh, potluck style concession stand uh, last week with Kevin McCreary talking about Christian cringe. 
I think there's still some leftovers. Uh, some of those are even good one week later. So I've gotten those out of the fridge, put in the microwave. <laughs> some of them had to go in the oven uh, at 450 degrees Fahrenheit. So I think they're just about ready for us to pull off the aluminum foil and see what cheesy goodness awaits. Yeah, you know, just based on the timing of this alone, I wonder if there's some listeners out there thinking, are they going to talk about football? Because isn't that the big thing that people debate about around this time of the year? But no, this is not a football podcast. This is a podcast about Christian fiction and other sorts of pop culture. And that's what we're going to be diving into sort of not indirectly, I should say, because there's a lot of controversies about a certain fandom right now. Yeah, that leads to the first uh, concession, the one I had planned anyway, the reason why we're revisiting this topic now, and not just to incidentally cap off a summer of hot topics, but because it turns out, uh, I was looking at the calendar, and the week that this episode releases, Lord willing, uh, there's going to be another thing that releases that we've just kind of ignored here, maybe tossed a few little barbs its direction, but I don't want to be aggressive about a series that, uh, however, does seem to have been made, at least in terms of the marketing, Zach. Uh, has 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 been made to polarize a fan base like some of the marketing choices they made seem designed to disunify rather than unify so some of that i don't think uh, is the fans fault and yet no matter who started it uh, christians need to have good codes of honor based in scripture to know how to finish it or avoid it or whatever your response is to that kind of hot topic so that's why we're talking about it now Uh, However, like many of our episodes, we do want this theme to be evergreen. Uh, No matter what time you listen to this episode, there's probably some fan dispute going on out there, uh, usually involving Christians in some kind of creative group, whether it's an in-person group uh, or more likely some kind of social media circles uh, of which you're a part. So this episode should apply to name the dispute of your choice. Uh, Also, this episode is a spiritual sequel to an episode we did just a few months ago, 115, about statements of faith. Uh, It was called, How Do Lorehaven Creators Strive to Follow Biblical Statements of Faith? Uh, That one proved surprisingly popular, Zach, and so it seemed to make sense to follow up with the other document we have uh, helping to structure the Lorehaven Guild and Lorehaven as a whole, uh, the Code of Honor that we put together at the turn of this year. All of Lorehaven creators must sign on to the faith statement. Uh, This is a Christian organization, and we define Christian by particular tenets that we have in that uh, faith statement, the sacred scrolls. But we also apply a written code of honor to every member of the guild. I mean, you don't have to follow that if you're going to comment at Lorehaven, anything like that. We have no way of enforcing that. But for the guild, which is our uh, Discord server, a confidential server, it's uh, invitation only if you subscribe free at lorehaven.com. Uh, you do have to sign off to agree to follow the code of honor uh, if you're going to be a member of the guild, even if you're not uh, in leadership, even if you're not guiding one of the monthly book quests. Uh, Lorehaven is not a church or a church substitute, of course. Uh, We recognize our limits there, uh, but we do want to mimic any biblical local church uh, that has faith statements and orthodoxy and expectations for Christian behavior, orthopraxy, uh, orthodoxy, beliefs, behavior orthopraxy the apostles expected all believers to do this and so should we just as a matter of being brothers and sisters even if we're not in the local church with elders and deacons and things Uh, if we know these things we'll find confidence in christ uh, that can help us maybe see in biblical light and avoid the ungodly behavior that we see even from other christian family members or the creators of big fantasy franchises or the big corporations behind them which it seems increasingly, Zach, uh, like to get the fans squabbling amongst themselves, toss out some accusations, and then see who emerges on top uh, once the battle's over. I, I don't like that kind of behavior. Uh, we've addressed that kind of thing in previous episodes of the podcast, but now we're kind of 
trying to offer a solution. Okay, you can't fix them, uh, but you can follow a code of honor based in scripture. And this is what we're trying to do at Lorehaven. Uh, the confidence that we have then, if we're re reacting to that kind of thing, uh, is not based in getting more powerful than they are or knowing more biblical truth than they are, but by looking to Jesus. We want to imitate his truth. We want to imitate his conduct. Any uh, other concessions you were thinking of, Zach, while I was running through those? Well, Naomi and I are going through a marriage class right now, and a big thing we're talking about is what were the expectations you had going into marriage, and how are those being fulfilled or not fulfilled, and just recognizing the expectations you have in a certain relationship can help you get to the bottom of why you're feeling a certain way about your spouse. But this really applies to any sort of relationship or any community you're part of. There are expectations built into every relationship, and um, there are codes of conduct for every relationship or community, and a lot of times they're just implicit, and there's a lot of cues you're supposed to pick up on, but this being a internet community where there's no body language or anything like that, we have to make everything written, and so just in defense of uh, codes of conduct, that's kind of why we made this and why we made it so robust as we're about to go into. Uh, because we want to make those expectations as explicit, as clear as possible. Yes. And I also want to throw out another concession there. Uh, this is not to act like something like a pacifist or soft pacifist or anything like that. Uh, I recognize that conflict is inevitable uh, in a world that's been broken by sin. Uh, it's also in some ways, sometimes Zach healthy. You know, conflict can be a way that people help one another, uh, help one another learn. Uh, you iron can sharpens even have iron. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, that is uh, an inherently conflicted act. Uh, you could have a teacher-student environment where there's some conflict. You can have healthy debate. But if the participants in the debate are following a code of conduct, then hopefully uh, the practice benefits both partners of the debate, uh, as well as the moderator, as well as the onlookers. So we don't do formal debates in the guild or anything like that, but we're not trying to make it a conflict-free zone, I would say. Although I just, I've not seen yet, anyway, eight months in, uh, the kind of conflict uh, that would uh, compromise the group, you know, that would turn it into something we don't mean it to be. Uh, we did have to kick one member uh, just once, I will say, but it's only been one so far. And, you know, pray for the guild, uh, whether or not you participate in that community. Uh, that's uh, a record that I would like to keep, if at all possible. Uh, we only lost one because the person very clearly uh, had no intentions of actually signing off on the Code of Honor. Uh, this person was not a professing Christian, but we don't require people to be professing Christians. Just follow the code of honor, which, however, is going to be a lot easier in theory if you have the Holy Spirit inside you that makes you want to follow uh, biblical principles of behavior. So I think that's my last concession. Uh, what we're going to do now is just uh, in a sort of a three-part uh, format here. Uh, we're going to go through the tenets of the code of honor document, which, of course, you can find linked in the show notes. Uh, there's about two or three of them per chapter here. Uh, we'll take breaks in between. Uh, let's go, Zach, then to chapter one, why we made a code of honor uh, to help us respect all members. So we'll go through each one and offer some brief thoughts, uh, kind of unscripted here, similar to what we did with the faith statement. But that turned out well. Hope this turns out well, too. First, just to specify, again, uh, guild leaders and members are required to follow the Lorehaven Code of Honor. So that's the document that uh, the members of the creative leadership are looking at to help us discern, you know, okay, did this, this person made an allusion to so-and-so issue that's going on? You know, uh, does that break our, uh, our rule about the you know, political topics? Uh, this is a guiding document that we use, and it's got, I think, yeah, seven, seven parts to it. 
Uh, the leadership team helped uh, put these together at the turn of the year when we launched the guild. And I will go through each one right now, quoting directly. Uh, quote, one, keep to the code. Lorehaven guild members may not necessarily agree with the Sacred Scrolls faith statement. However, please recognize that Lorehaven and the Lorehaven guild are led by Christian guides. We encourage questions of the biblical gospel, but we cannot tolerate attempts to disparage this Christian faith or dissuade other members from following Jesus Christ, end quote. And Zach, I'm kind of reading that now more as a reader uh, rather than somebody who helped uh, draft the language there. Uh, what I'm seeing there is an intentional effort to make sure that we define what we mean by Christian. Yes, Christians can only be individuals, but Christian spaces, Christian stuff, Christian groups, as we say in our title here, uh, they do carry the influence of Christianity. And we define what we mean by Christianity in the faith statement. Uh, but here, we just want to make sure that we don't have folks coming in, even though there's a few hoops to jump through, like subscribing free to Lorehaven, uh, in order to play stump the Christian. Uh, or in order to advocate for another religion. Like, yeah, if, you know, if you're a non-Christian, of course, you're welcome here. Uh, just like a non-Christian will be welcome in the local church. Uh, but although we're not a local church, uh, we also want to follow the standard of nobody gets to stand up in the middle of the local church service and disrupt the place. Uh, all things must be done decently and in order. And we do want that kind of creative order here in the guild uh, with maybe a little side project of evangelism here and there. Uh, not that we want a bunch of unbelievers to come in so that we can throw Jesus at them. We'd rather everybody mostly be on the same page. Yeah. And I think here we're just, we're recognizing a very common occurrence with online communities that uh, certain people want to be led into a community who don't agree at all with the identity or purpose of that community. Uh, but they demand to be let in, even though they have totally different ideologies and they kind of bank on people's empathy or sense of inclusion. And then they come into the community and start subverting it, you know, start trying to speak against the purpose of that community. Uh, and then basically just bait people into fighting them. <laughs> and then, uh, it just goes off the rails from there. And so this happens all the time. And we just want to be really clear up front with who we are and what we're about and what we're not going to accept in this community, because this is a private community. This is not you know, some social media platform or anyone's allowed to do whatever. This is not a blog comment section. Uh, th this is a private group. And so to be in this group, this is, you know, the first thing that is required is that you honor the purpose of the group. And again, people may come here and I, I hope people come here that they aren't believers and I hope they find it to be a fun place. Um, and I hope we can have fun discussions about fiction. Exactly. And another concession, I would say, a bit uh, late arrival here, I just uh, forgot it in the back of the fridge, uh, is that some communities, I would say, are made for those kinds of rowdier discussions. Like, yes, yeah. I, if, if you're into like mixed martial arts fighting, or as you said uh, earlier, <laughs> Zach, wrestling, you know, some kind of sports <laughs> competition, so long as it, it's, uh, you know, being formed by rules and referees and all of that. Uh, you know, and, and penalties if you break them or eject the coach if he's throwing a chair on the basketball court or something like that. And that's as sportsy as it's probably ever going to get here. Fantastical truth. That kind of thing is appropriate there. But in this case, uh, it's the Lorehaven Guild or maybe you have another creative group that you're a part of. 
it's appropriate then to set expectations like, okay, that may be fine out there. You know, it may be good then to go to a political rally and yell and support your guy or gal and, you know, and then boo the competition. But we're not going to do that here, not here in the living room, uh, not here in the fellowship hall. Uh, It's just simply a matter of defining the purpose of a space uh, and almost uh, forming a kind of dress code. Uh, it may be appropriate to dress one particular way for the pool, and Christians can debate that over there. <laughs> oh, uh, no. But over here, yeah, <laughs> keep all your clothes on. You know, we're not going swimming here. You know, you <laughs> may not need to wear a three piece suit uh, if you're a man, but you should have something on. You know, dress for the occasion, behave for the occasion. And in this case, the occasion is a Christian space uh, to discuss Christian ideas in fantastical stories. Yeah. And I, I like that we have that up front, Stephen, because. You know, we've decided that we don't want to just be a book and movie discussion group that happens to be Christian. You know, we wanted to be Christian first. Like this is primarily a space for the Christian faith through the lens of fiction. Christianity is central to the purpose for our guild. Like our Christian faith, you know, it's it's the foundation for why we're doing this. It's not just an added ingredient to being geeks or whatever. And so I like that we put that up front because that for other Christians that really want to talk to other Christians about movies and films and books and stories, you know, that that's who we're trying to bring in. And then for anyone else that is like, well, you know, I have a lot of Christian friends, but I'm not a Christian. Well, that's fine. But just recognize that this is primarily a, a space to promote Christian belief. Exactly. Hey, I just remembered that a few days ago, I actually got an email from somebody. I think they were replying to the do not reply address, but that's okay. (laughs) Uh, The person was saying, hey, I'm I'm not a Christian. Can I still join the group? I still need to reply to that person and say, yes, just look to the code of honor number one. Like this is the purpose here. We're not requiring that of everybody. Just don't come in there. You know, don't sign your kid up for the Christian school uh, and then be shocked that they're teaching and expecting uh, Christian sexual ethics, which is another controversy that's been going on lately. Um, that's just plain old silly. Uh, I wouldn't sign up for the atheist school uh, and then be stunned that they're teaching my kid atheism. Uh, don't try to change the group from the inside uh, if this is the group's very clear, written, stated expectation. Yeah, uh, hey, you know, on that note, that's funny you say that. When I was in college, um, I, I met a friend that was in an atheist group, and so I asked where they meet. I just wanted to listen in. And I went there, and it was a, a very... Uh, academic discussion they were having about some topic and i was just like okay this is interesting a little boring but you know i just wanted to kind of listen in and then right in the middle of them talking this this uh freshman student stood up and and said uh what does any of this have to do with evolution versus creation and they're like what <laughs> there it was like so like off topic oh like do we wanted... have some christian cringe going on yeah perhaps? It, yeah it, it was kind of cringe it was like okay mm. and i i wanted to kind of take her aside like hey we're on the same team but just like you know hold your horses a little bit you know like <laughs> yeah like don't just drop the truth bomb and then run you yeah, know play just... that forward in your imagination yeah. do you actually see anybody ready to convert or even pre 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 conversion <laughs> at that point uh not really yeah. it's just going to add more heat than light yeah Let's go to the code of honor uh, number two here. Uh, Speaking of uh, not offending people uh, in the name of sharing some light and just end up sharing heat, we have number two, respect everyone. Every person in your quest party is created in God's image. Every novel author is also created and is creating in God's image because all people, whether celebrity, stranger, friend, or family reflects this very image of God 
They are worthy of respect. We will uphold this biblical, gracious respect. That's the quote. And Zach, reading that now, it, it seems a little general, but that's on purpose. Uh, we want to have that principle at the back of someone's head. Uh, we want to internalize that in our hearts, that the purpose of respecting people is not just to give them or tell them what they want. Uh, the purpose of respecting people is the imago dei. God has made that person in his image and breathed into that person the breath of life. God defines the reason why we respect people, try to honor them as his image bearers. Uh, God defines that, not people defining that, uh, which may be a little bit different from other uh, codes of honor, written or otherwise, that you see in other groups, uh, fantastical or geeky or otherwise. Uh, there's kind of this uh, the shared idea of respect that gets defined by memes and uh, partially remembered phrases and moralities from a hodgepodge of religions, most of them shaped now by the popular media and by political agendas. Uh, this here, I think, is, uh, is a principle that goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, describing the creation of man and woman. Yeah, you know, the, the phrase I like is critique the work, not the person. Um, you know, attack the work if you think it needs to be attacked and, and taken apart, but don't attack the person, uh, the person that created that work. Now, admittedly, th this is hard. Uh, this, is, this is a hard rule to abide by sometimes because it's hard to sometimes separate the art from the artist. Um, and I think it's even harder to even be aware of this rule when you're in an in-group and you're sort of critiquing something from an out-group. And so I, I think that this calls on us to sort of police each other and ourselves. And I mean, not police, but, you know, remind each other that, hey, let, let's, you know, let's hold to this rule. Uh, be, because, look, there are plenty of forums that you can join that are just uh, where everything gets very personal and everything gets very, you know, uh, offensive, like just, we don't need to go there. <laughs> like there's, there's many other forums for that if you want to do that. So that, that's not what we want to create in this community. Exactly. I note there the language too about uh, respecting every author of the novel. And uh, in the Lorehaven Guild, uh, there's a slight chance, unless the author is Tolkien or Lewis, uh, that the author could be there. And that has actually happened a few times with some of the monthly book quests that we've hosted. Uh, however, we try to pick books that we believe the majority of participants will enjoy. And we're not picking a random book that Lorehaven is not reviewed or is not aware of. Uh, and we're always focusing on Christian-made fantasy or science fiction there. It's, it's all Christian-made titles uh, that we're picking. But some of the authors are very involved in uh, fan communities like ours. And so... They may be showing up, which may make it a little bit uh, easier to respect that person because he or she is actually there uh, as opposed to being an author who is uh, no longer with us or who is not participating in the book quest. Uh, I will say, Zach, that I'm uh, very happy overall uh, with the way that this has gone in the guild because although we have chosen titles that we want everybody to like that are fairly non-controversial, like, for example, we've got the Hobbit quest party coming up here in September. By the time you listen to this episode, it may have already started. Uh, we did at least at one point, or I did, let's not use the we there, I chose a book uh, back in the spring, actually. Uh, that was The uh, the Seventh Son by the now late uh, Lonnie Forbes, which had, I would suppose, some controversial elements in there, uh, some central bits, uh, kind of some YA-type uh, heavy-breathing content between uh, two members of the teenage cast. And that I knew would be a little bit controversial. And so I'm still thinking about like, well, did I, did I choose right? You know, was this a good title at a good time for this group? And I know, however, that uh, members in that quest party 
appreciated the story overall, but we did have some debate about that level of content and whether it was age appropriate for particular readers. And that was the kind of discussion I was hoping to see. Could we discuss the themes and the content and the descriptions of the book uh, without disrespecting the author? And from my memory of that particular book quest, I think all of our heroes in the guild did very well. Would I choose a book like that just to see what would happen even a little bit? No, maybe not. But in that case, it wouldn't be because uh, that uh, case study did not go well. It actually did. Uh, we just want to make sure that we choose titles that are, you know, not going to add a lot of heat uh, to the discussion where people will have to cool themselves down. Uh, we want to choose titles that will add light to the discussion for the purpose of respecting not just the author of the story or the characters in the story or the themes, uh, but helping to respect one another as guild heroes who bear God's image. Yeah, and that right there is a great reminder. We're going to pick books that not everyone's going to like there, or that might have elements not everyone is comfortable with. Um, and people are going to have varying levels of enjoyment for those elements or those books. And so that's where we just have to assume the best about everyone else and their enjoyment of those books. It's okay to disagree about these things, about whether or not these elements should be in books or or if you like them or not. Yeah, it's just not okay to attack someone else for their taste in books. Exactly. And I'd say, by the way, faithful listener, we may have another accidental test case coming up simply because of that prime <laughs> debate I mentioned. Uh, we'll get to that in a moment when we talk about number four here of the Code of Honor. But I've seen plenty of punditry about that particular series that singles out uh, cast members or the showrunners by name, uh, who, as far as I know, are not Christians and, of course, are not going to appear in the guild to defend their work or see what you're saying about them. So how do we handle then uh, franchise runners or uh, corporate chieftains who have no part of the guild? Well, I think the same principle applies. Uh, you want to respect that person as God's image bearer, even if you couldn't disagree more strongly uh, with the type of creative work that they have done. Uh, we do have a channel called Middle Earth, which is uh, just for all purpose uh, discussion about all things Tolkien. Uh, there's a lot of channels that uh, go off in different directions uh, related to Christian-made fantasy uh, and sometimes secular fantasy as well. Uh, but those are, I would say, the side quests. Uh, we're focusing mainly on uh, each one of the book quests uh, that we change every month in the Lorehaven Guild, which leads me to our second sponsor for this episode, the Lorehaven Guild. We had a slot open, so I rushed in and took it. Uh, we are going there and back again with our Hobbit book quest uh, starting on Monday, September the 5th. Yes, we're doing it for September, just in time for Hobbit Day, which as true fans know is on September the 22nd. The Hobbit book quest will go through all 19 chapters of The Hobbit. It's being led by faithful book quest leader Elijah David. And we're going to have fun with this. I really, really enjoy uh, The Hobbit. Uh, I think uh, in the past, I think I may have actually read The Lord of the Rings first before The Hobbit. Maybe because I had to catch up in a hurry before seeing the movies. Yes, unfortunately, I was one of those late coming fans. But do not let them tell you that The Hobbit is a children's story, whereas The Lord of the Rings is the more mature grown-up book for more mature grown-ups. Uh, the Hobbit has a different flavor, certainly at the first. But one of the observations I love to make about the story is that while it starts off very whimsical and charming, and then for some reason you have a talking purse uh, from the troll that Bilbo fails to pickpocket and who gives off the alert, and it's a weird element like that, uh, stuff like that does happen in The Lord of the Rings, too. Tom Bombadil, anyone? The talking, thinking fox, anyone? Uh, Tolkien likes to go for those whimsical things, and yet The Hobbit starts off more whimsical and then gets more and more mature to the end. 
And then by the end, in my interpretation, you find basically a challenge and the best kind of subversion of the whole King Arthur comes back to take his kingdom motif, which, in my view, sets up the return of the king and the whole king narrative and the whole suffering servant narrative throughout the Lord of the Rings. So all the stories are connected and we're going to find those connections and have fun respecting each other and enjoying the Christian themes that Tolkien couldn't help but include in his story. To join the Lorehaven Guild, just go to lorehaven.com and subscribe free, enter your email address, and then we will send you the exclusive invitation to this long-expected party. Just go to lorehaven.com, and we will see you in the Guild, where you too can be a Guild hero. Yes, and towards the end of September, we're going to have a video discussion, a live video in real time discussion about the hobbit that's going to be on saturday september 24th so look for that announcement in the guild in that book quest and you can join in and share your thoughts about the hobbit i'm looking forward to this i've already been listening to the hobbit uh, turns out there was a sale from that same company that we are sort of kind of maybe talking about here and there they're not all bad they put the hobbit and the lord of the rings audiobooks on sale narrated by the incomparable Andy Circus, and he does a fantastic job not just with the Gollum voice but by doing voices for all the cast members i'm really enjoying it and at least at one point zach i was having a bad day one chapter of circus reading the hobbit in his inimitable style and my bad mood was just gone. So props to you, Andy Circus. Don't know whether you're a Christian, but God used you that day. God can use non-Christians and certainly <laughs> non-Christians who help make Christian stories like Lord of the Rings. How's his impersonation of Sir Ian McClellan? You know, it actually is pretty good. Uh, it's not <laughs> It's not all an impression of Sir Ian McKellen uh, as Gandalf, uh, but you can tell that he is definitely being inspired by, I mean, obviously the cast member uh, performances in the movies in which he played Gollum and other roles. So uh, it's, uh, it's, it's really fun. And what I appreciate too uh, is that when it comes time for one of the many songs in The Hobbit, Circus will oh, just right. sing it. He will just oh, sing wow. it. And the oh, man's got funny. pipes. Yeah, I, I don't think I've heard him sing before. Uh, it is it's obviously him singing like he's, he's definitely singing uh, in character. But for example, with the with the song that the dwarves sing uh, while they're pretending to do all the things that Bilbo Baggins hates. I was listening and wondering, are they going to do the tune from the movies? Are they going to do the tune from the movies? Yes. Yes, they did. It wasn't exactly the tune because for the uh, the words of the song, they have to actually change uh, for the movies to, to fit the meter that they put together. But the tune that Circus does, I don't know whether he, he uh, adapted it or who would have done that. Uh, it is just basically 75 to 80 percent the tune from the, uh, the film version of The Hobbit. So wow. I'm looking forward to that. Cool. Yeah, that's one reason why I will defend The Hobbit films. They, they don't mind doing the songs. They put in a bunch of other nonsense, but they actually do have the songs in there, which I appreciate. So anyway, I don't mean to uh, belabor that uh, self uh, self endorsement uh, too much longer. Let's go to chapter two of our discussion. A few more tenets of the code of honor. Chapter two is called how the code of honor aims to discipline controversial topics. So this is where we get into uh, the most possibly the most interesting portion here uh, of the discussion, because we among the Lorehaven staff creators wanted to make sure that people felt the freedom to talk about some things that did not constantly feel uh, like the mods were going to descend upon them with all the wrath of the mods. Uh, but we also wanted to set clear expectations that some topics were simply not going to be allowed, not because they're evil, but simply because mm. there's some things we want to keep in other people's comment sections, not necessarily here at the guild. 
So this next one uh, needed a lot of sharpening among the staff creators. Let's see how we did. Number three, avoid swearing, sex talk, and harassment. Scripture says, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. Ephesians 5, 4. We apply this standard to the guild. Avoid vulgarities, profanities, and misuses of God's title, including in acronyms. Yes, some books for main quests or side quests may include language we wouldn't ourselves use in the guild. If you're uncertain about a word, avoid using it or ask a guild guide. Members must avoid sexualized comments about characters or actual harassment of real people. This does not refer to disagreements, but does include, yet is not limited to, slander or vulgar language. Moderators will help with resolutions as needed. So that last sentence there, faithful listener, uh, keeps things a little bit more open-ended. Some things are going to be subjective. We recognize that. But apart from the one scenario I mentioned earlier, I can't recall that we've actually had any issues with this, Zach. It seems that more people embrace this with relief uh, rather than chafe against it with annoyance. Uh, We haven't had people coming in there uh, misusing God's title or God's name uh, and using vulgarities that uh, would violate the spirit, if not the law, of a verse like Ephesians 5.4. You know, just this weekend, I was online and saw a post from someone I follow, just well-known political type who happens to be a Christian, and uh, someone commented underneath that and said, you know, I I respect you, I follow you, I support your work, you're doing great, but can you please not say OMG, because that is taking God's name in vain. And I was like, well, well, that's great, you know, like, and, and I think we all need that again. It's like, we need to sort of correct ourselves, sharpen each other by saying, Let, let's kind of leave that aside. That's going to be on, you know, the Twitter sphere, the Facebook verse. But in here, we, we really want to be careful to honor God by not taking his name in vain. And, and that's, you know, using those initials is obviously just the first step in this uh, honoring this commandment. But um, yeah, it can be very easy to slip into uh, vulgarity, be easy to slip into profanity. Uh, and like you said, it, it's very easy with acronyms. So there's a lot of acronyms we could use that, uh, we're not going to mention on the air. This is not the George Carlin, uh, podcast, but, um, you know, and Steven, this was my life before I was a Christian. I, I had plenty of profanity in my everyday speech and it took through a couple years of college when I started walking with the Lord to really work that out of my system. And it's not that I never you know, I, I don't want to say I've, I've never used a swear word since then. I, um, but I, I try very hard not to let that be part of my normal conversation. And I think the Holy Spirit just has to work in a person's life um, to remove that. But yeah, we, we don't want this to be a, uh, a a place full of that. I mean, we want this to be family friendly. And I, I don't know what the minimum age limit of discord is or what even we'd feel comfortable with i guess it's 13 or 16 or something i think like thir- that. 13 has been the in theory standard for a lot of social yeah. media i think that is the same for discord but i mean if it was you know eight years old or 31 years old mm-hmm. for that matter i think we would still want to avoid this kind of language uh, i'm noting yeah. here zach that we put uh, the the uh, the bands on vulgarity and profanity which by the way are different uh vulgarisms yeah. are about bodily functions and such like and profanity is specifically about a divine language or you know places that you end up uh, after death 
those are two different things and Christians can debate about what word counts as what. And that's why we put the catch all there that moderators will help with resolutions as needed. It really comes down to uh, moderator decisions if we have a, a, a difficult case of some kind. But I did notice that we put in there uh, the rule on language and the rule on harassment uh, in the yeah. same place. And I, I'm looking at that now and kind of interpreting in part my own work there. And I'm thinking that the reason why both of those go into one tenet, number three of the Code of Honor, is that the root there is anger. Uh, both of these are violations of the rule earlier, respect everyone. If you're respecting everyone, you're not going to harass them and you're not going to use vulgarities, profanities, and misuses of God's title, etc. Showing respect rules out these things automatically. So number three really just comes off of number two. And if you have a different spirit in your heart, if you have an attitude toward love and respect, I think that's going to be the change from within, uh, whether you're a Christian or not. But most likely, if you're a Christian, because it's the Holy Spirit doing that, you know, you can work on that on yourself and try to fix yourself and respect people and all that. But I think it's ultimately going to be harder if you're not a Christian and eternally it's not going to count. But in either case, I think you are capable of showing respect and love toward other people uh, that will lead naturally toward avoiding these kinds of habits of harassment and such uh, without you having to have a specific rule about it. That's the type of person uh, we want to attract uh, to be a hero, to be rightly called a hero in the Lorehaven Guild. Well, and this is to say nothing of the fact that Discord allows you to block people or mute things or whatever. And so, uh, frankly, (laughs) I would guess that people just do that first before complaining to a moderator. Um, it's just so easy to do that, you know, with digital media, but, um, but we don't really want it to come to that point either. We, we don't want a atmosphere where that's happening. Cause as I've said, there are plenty of other forums that you can join where this is the norm. I actually do want to talk here about one in particular. So when we had Shane Morris on to talk about wheel of time, uh, I mentioned how there is a, uh, the official forum for wheel of time on Reddit or the, the subreddit, I guess I should say. Uh, they do not really allow or encourage any criticism of Wheel of Time. It's a subreddit run, as far as I can tell, by the actual show, uh, the the Amazon show for Wheel of Time. Now, there are some other subreddits that are just about the books, but the one that's about the show had a ton of people show up and criticize it, and rightly so, for any number of things. Um, and all of those people were little by little removed from there. So they got together, created a subreddit called the white cloaks, (laughs) which if you read the book is kind of ironic and I'm not going to go into all that. But uh, the latest thing I've learned is that that subreddit has now been locked down by the admins of Reddit. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there was uh, some kind of conflict between the mods of that subreddit and the kind of the overall admins that are employed by Reddit what the admins did was basically flag every post that's not by a mod as spam. And so a mod would have to approve each post manually. But the mods are still allowed to post and people are allowed to comment, but there's only three of them. And there were thousands of people in that subreddit the last I checked. So the traffic there has, is ground to a halt. And I imagine that was the whole point of this. It's Because what Reddit has done is just totally kicked off subreddits and and users completely from reddit and that's gotten them a lot of blowback so now i think this is the new tactic to sort of bleed a subreddit dry that they don't like the admins weren't entirely wrong about some of the problems in that subreddit reddit doesn't disallow profanity or vulgarity but they do disallow harassment and there do seem to be some cases where there was harassment or brigading of other 
forums, but at the same time, there were much harsher rules and enforcement applied to this subreddit. And so the internet is not at the equal opportunity place we all thought it would be in the 90s. I, I remember when it was fun and when it was cool and it's become something else that's being taken over by megacorps and whatnot. But critique of shows is, is totally allowed, but we don't allow harassment of people. Those are entirely different things. And, and that extends also to the, the creators and the actors and whatever, the other people involved in a creative process. Now, we're mostly talking about Christian books. <laughs> so the, the feelings are much, uh, you know, the temperature is already a lot lower, I, I think, on the books that we mostly talk about. But, you know, we have a Middle Earth forum. We have another uh, we have another channel about your current reads and, you know, we're going to be talking about other uh, intellectual property out there. So hopefully this can become a template, like what we're doing in the guild. We hope that this can become a template for you, our listener, to create a local community, a book club, a watch party, a board game group, whatever. We, we hope that this can help you kind of apply these principles to other communities you might be in. Yeah, this here to me, Zach, seems to be a fence around a fence around a fence where we say members must avoid sexualized comments about characters or actual harassment of real people. Are those the same thing? Kind of, uh, because if you're going to act that way towards a character, then you're probably also going to act that way towards a real person who's your neighbor in the forum or the creative group, because to you, they're a character just the same as a character yeah. in a book. They're not a real person. You can just make anything uh, you want up about them. Uh, that's not correct. That's not a good posture for a Christian to have or a member of a Christian group to have. So that's why we grouped those together. We did, however, uh, put in a kind of a disclaimer there. This does not refer to disagreements, we said, because right. although it's less of a risk in some Internet communities or creative groups than actual harassment, uh, you will get people uh, who will say, well, that person is harassing me. OK, well, what was the harassment? They disagreed with me. They want to erase me. Like, I mean, that's the kind of thing, like I said, a fence around a fence. We, we don't even want to get anywhere near that level of conflict uh, in a community like the Guild. Uh, but it does happen. So we have that language in there, you know, just in case. I mean, who knows whether this thing will outlive us all or whether, you know, we'll pass to another creative team at some point. I want that precedent in there, uh, if at all possible. Uh, but we, we want to ultimately define harassment by the leadership of the guild, which will be exclusively biblical Christian leadership, uh, harassment does not get to be defined by the person. Although very likely in the guild, if uh, someone, uh, if you feel like you're being harassed, uh, you probably are. I mean, that's the kind of person we want to attract, the kind of person who is not disputative in that way. Uh, it feels to me it's a lot easier to join a subreddit or Reddit or whatever you call them over there uh, than it would be easy to join the guild. Uh, it is free to subscribe. Uh, but you do have to jump through a portal or two, uh, which itself uh, brings a, a sense of exclusivity uh, that we really want to preserve. You know, it's not a, a gated community, you know, where you have to have a particular income level or else you can't uh, rent this condo. Uh, but there is a gate. Uh, there is a gate. And hopefully it's a little bit more narrow than you would usually get with another uh, creative group out there. Yeah. Because again, back to that White Cloaks group, I like that there was open discussion about the show. I didn't like that it became very vulgar, profane, and, and lots of other things. And so, you know, that wasn't a great community, but I also don't like that it was shut down. Anyway, we're, we're trying to avoid, again, all that the dumpster fire of Reddit uh, here in the guild. 
Yeah. And for more on that, you, you can go to our episode 122. Why are more fans turning against their favorite franchises? Uh, try to explore some of the some of the uh, the, the angry heart, uh, the grieving heart that can lead to that type of anger in uh, fan communities about shows like that. Uh, there may be a time to grieve and work through the stages of grief, but don't smother over your grief with anger. Uh, get over it. Move on. Uh, there are probably better stories out there that uh, won't make you so angry and grieving about them. So speaking of some political controversies, uh, this next tenet of the Code of Honor also required a lot of input uh, from uh, the creative team at Lorehaven. Uh, some political topics, after all, people may call them political, but they're not really political. They actually do relate uh, to how we work out our Christian faith, and they relate to some of the books that we'll be enjoying. So we don't want to just say, no politics. You can stop talking about politics. That's bad. We don't want to say that. But at the same time, we do want to specify particular things to leave out of guild discussions. Take them to your comment section somewhere or your water cooler at work, uh, but not at the guild. Here's what it says. Four, beware of political issues. Some books and their quests may naturally explore moral issues that relate to political conflicts. We encourage gracious discussion of these ideas and themes as specifically related to the books. But members must avoid active discussion of specific political leaders, parties, or public policy. Those last three items there, I think, are important. Uh, we don't want political leaders or candidates being name-checked on the forum. We don't want anybody uh, trying to start a discussion about, hey, it was so-and-so a uh, proposition here in my state. Uh, anybody else uh, from the state of Iowa, you know, who are you going to vote for? in the primaries in uh, 2023 or 2024, uh, any of that stuff is just going to get absolutely shut down. And no one's tried it uh, because the types of books we attract uh, seem to understand this. We don't want to talk about parties and we don't want to talk about specific uh, bills, uh, public policies, rules, laws, all that stuff. There's a place for that. Not evil. Christians got to do it, but you don't got to do it here. But yeah. we have had some discussion uh, about, for example, um, pro-life ethics like that will figure into discussions of the books uh, that we're talking about uh that's going to come up at least uh, in an illusion here or there and you can bet we we kept a bit of a sharp eye on those just in case because we didn't want it to uh get out of control or spiral off from the more fiction-centered discussions but it, it didn't last too long uh and as the election year at least in the united states is drawing closer or the election season really it's a uh, midterms here uh, as we record this, uh, but in 2024, things are going to get even more heated. So we will see how well uh, Tenet 4 here, the Code of Honor, holds up. Uh, I definitely want to keep that one uh, intact, uh, but if we need to address uh, particular instances, uh, we certainly will uh, as a leadership team. And Zach, uh, actually, come to think of it, duh, this is the part where I talk about uh, that uh, particular prime debate that's coming up, uh, because we have had some discussion about whether or not people are going to watch that show uh, which is not, again, not, I would say, the fans' fault that it's gotten politically charged, uh, because regardless of what the cast members looked like, a lot of the early marketing, at least for the show, led with uh, all of the uh, diversity language and more political-type language uh, that is at least associated with political agendas. And that was just a weird marketing decision. And unfortunately, it's left many fans with a very bad taste about this particular show 
Uh, how are we going to talk about it on the guild? Um, I don't know. Uh, we may need to put in some guidelines in the Middle Earth channel. Haven't had a chance to do that yet. But it's 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 a test case again uh, that we may be keeping an eye on because we don't mm. want to say don't talk about it. It's a bad show, you know. Like someone may watch the show completely free of the stigma attached uh, by the super vans Amazon video or anything like that. Oop, I said the A word there. Uh, <laughs> that's fine. You may still enjoy it. You may not have ever read Tolkien or his materials about the Second Age. You know, it may be fan fiction, and you're perfectly fine with that. Uh, it may not be an evil show. It may not have a political agenda in the show itself, just in the marketing. Who knows? Uh, in that case, God bless you. Enjoy it. Uh, the rest of us just may not enjoy it as much because we've seen too much. Uh, <laughs> we'll be keeping an eye out. We'll, we'll be keeping an eye on it. Yeah, I, I think from now on, n- now that you've let the cat out of the bag, I think I'm just going to refer to this new show as Jeff Bezos's fan fiction. That, that's just. The only way to cover it. Well, I've seen a few less flattering labels used uh, to describe <laughs> the title. Yeah. But, but yeah, Stephen, you make a good point there too. We're not going to try to be party poopers either. So you're fine to enjoy the show. That's totally fine. And, and people can have different reactions to the angle that Amazon is taking. I think um, Amazon made a very clear decision of they want to capture the cultural zeitgeist and make this for a totally new set of concerns that people have. That was their primary audience. That was their primary agenda. Um, We'll see how that works out for them. But, you know, I want to actually go from there to something else that's often said about sci-fi and fantasy kind of in the larger world, which is, uh, well, science fiction has always been political. Or, Or how about this one? The personal is political. And I just, I stand completely opposed to these mindsets because that's a totalitarian impulse that politics should invade every aspect of your life. Everything in your life should be repurposed to serve a political cause. And we just totally reject that here at Lorehaven. Life is so much bigger than who you're voting for or what parties in power, what policies are happening because the church has survived 2000 years of all kinds of governments and, and foolish leaders and foolish policies. And, and so have books. Books have been around and will be around much longer than, than people who are doing silly things. It's fine to talk about moral issues because those supersede and outlast the political realities. But at the end of the day, you know, don't confuse an ideology for your identity. Uh, don't take on, you know, one of these, um, uh, slogans or, or mindsets as who you are. And then when people disagree with that, you feel personally attacked that's not right either. And again, that's that totalitarian impulse that keeps getting pushed on us. So we're going to talk about some issues that come up, but yeah, we just got to be careful with the really hot button ones, you know, and, and follow everything that we've already talked about up to this point. Exactly. I heartily agree with that. Uh, ultimately it is supra political what we're trying to accomplish here, uh, in, uh, in the Lorehaven guild. Uh, these are moral issues, issues of imagination and personhood that are foundational to the political controversies that we have in other parts of the world. You've got to have those. You absolutely must. Those are fine to have. That culture, stories, imagination informs those issues. So why would you jump to the shallow end of the pool? Uh, Hopefully we're trying to go a little bit deeper into the uh, human psyche by way of fantastical imagination. Let's move to chapter three here in a moment. Uh, This ordinarily would be the place for a third sponsor. Uh, We've left that spot empty, but just so you know, faithful listener, uh, we will be having from here on out uh, three sponsors, one per chapter of each of our podcast episodes. So going forward, 
Who knows? Maybe you could be in this spot too, faithful listener. Chapter three is called What Positive Themes Do We Promote in the Lorehaven Guild? So we're going to wrap up with uh, the three last tenets of the Code of Honor here. This is where it gets a little bit more fun. Uh, We did the uh, heavier stuff uh, just in the last uh, chapter. And this is where we really wanted to end with more positive endorsement of what we're hoping to accomplish in any of our book quests and other story explorations in the guild. Number five here makes clear our goal to focus on fans of fiction, not the writing of fiction, simply because of our focus at Lorehaven. Five, celebrate fandom. Our quest is to explore Christian-made fantastical stories as readers. Aspiring writers can find many other communities about creative work. In the Guild, we will keep all our quests focused on delighted, discerning fans. Fantastic authors, heed the wisdom of Proverbs 27.2. Let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. This one, in retrospect, is fascinating to me because I'm, I'm looking at that now. And to the extent that I had input into the language here, I'm thinking, what was I thinking about that? And I was probably thinking about writers groups where the writers who are very enthusiastic, especially if you're a Christian and have had trouble finding a writing community, uh, you, you find one that seems to be talking about books and in the imagination, books equals writing sometimes. Well, not necessarily. Uh, there is a difference. Like even good writers, I think uh, professionals uh, know to keep the shop talk to the shop. And then if they're out at a library event or something, you don't assume that everybody lining up to have uh, their books signed by you uh, is also a writer. There's going to be a difference in your emphasis there. And Lorehaven is uh, near exclusively fan focused here to the extent that we talk about uh, authors and shop talk and all that stuff. Uh, we try to keep it very basic and very much emphasizing behind the scenes. Uh, kind of my example there is the uh, behind the scenes uh, materials on, uh, I guess, one of the discs uh, for a movie like the Lord of the Rings, for example, the film trilogy has some of the best behind the scenes material. And when they're taking you into the workshop to show the cave troll maquettes and the chain mail that they're putting together by hand and all of that at Weta, led by Sarah to Taylor, that's a bad New Zealand <laughs> accent, of course, they're not giving you instructions for how to do it. They're not assuming that everybody watching is a craftsperson who wants to get into that industry. They're assuming that everybody who's watching is a fan of the Lord of the Rings and wants to know how they made the movie magic down in New Zealand. So they will go into detail and they will show you and they aren't seeming to try to hide their secrets, but they are keeping it more general. They are more keeping uh, they're keeping it more focused on the fans. So that's what we want to do. If we talk about, like, for example, our saga coming up next month, Zach, I'll give a little spoiler here. Faithful listener. Uh, we're going to go behind the scenes a little bit more. Talk about how these books, how these audiobooks get made, uh, introduce you to some of the people behind those. But it's not going to be a how-to guide. It's not going to be instructional or professional development type stuff. Uh, I think that would be unfair and unnecessary anyway, Zach, if we were trying to step on the Realm Makers territory. Like Realm Makers and other Christian groups are introducing people to that network of creators, you know, the more... Uh, industry side of things, the more professional development side of things. If you come into the Lorehaven Guild saying, hey, I want to talk about my book. I want to get somebody to read my book. Let's get some uh, let's get some beta readers going. Let's get a critique group started. If you do that, we're going to say, no, Uh, look at number five here of the (laughs) the code of honor uh, and go find real makers. Go find another group uh, that's already doing that. Uh, they're not doing book quests and we're not doing uh, writer critique groups and we're not talking about that stuff. We're going to focus on the fans. Yeah. And even better, go start a local writers group. I think so much of this is just better handled in person with people that you get to know 
and that's what I've done, and that's what I've really enjoyed others doing. But yes, this is a place to primarily be on the same footing that we're all readers here. And it, and realistically, if you're a writer that's not reading books, uh, you probably shouldn't be writing books until you go read a bunch of books. Uh, the the most successful authors are huge readers, huge bookworms. So that's got to come first, no matter what. But yes, we don't want to make this a two tiered society within the guild that there's the there's the people who are the cherished and celebrated writers, and then there's all the other, you know, peasants with their chickens. And so, uh, we want to make this uh, where everyone's on the the same ground. Yeah, and there will of course be many heroes of the guild who are authors or who are aspiring authors, and we definitely welcome them because I think that statistically, Zach, like I haven't seen any surveys about this. But it seems to me that folks who enjoy fantasy and science fiction and those kinds of stories are more likely to try to write fan fiction. Just something in your personality or the fact that these uh, these genres have this kind of personality among their fans, uh, that's going to lead you to be more likely to try to write the stuff. You know, whereas I, I don't think that the same principle applies uh, if you're someone who's a, a little bit of an older reader, you know, maybe retired a local church member who enjoys writing. Uh, reading Christian prairie romances, it's probably less a chance that you're trying to write your own prairie romance and break into the prairie romance industry. I'm not sure how that's going, but it's it's not something that I've picked up on as I have among the fantasy uh, folks. So that makes sense. Uh, again, it's simply a matter not of morality, but simply of focus. Uh, there exist groups for writing. Uh, take the writing questions over there, just like you would take the political questions over there. Yes, it's got to get done. Uh, we want those stories written. We want them to get better. We want them published if they're great. Uh, just not in the guild. Everybody, as you said, Zach, is is on a level playing field, you know, published yeah. authors and aspiring authors and simply fans alike. And so far, we found great success in focusing on that, which also, by the way, rules out a lot of those uh, potentially heated uh, debate topics about publishing rules and whether or not Christians can write about such and such and magic systems and things like that. Uh, a lot of those just get taken off the table simply by focusing on fans first. Yeah, and those those discussions do need to be had, just like we said, the political discussions need to be had. It's just not here. That's not what this is for. So from there, continuing the positive emphasis, we'll go to number six of the Code of Honor. Uh, this next is not a rule, but more like a suggestion, really a suggestion, uh, because we want to promote this kind of spirit, whether or not somebody actually wants to do that. And come to think of it, I, I haven't done a whole lot of it myself. I'm, my comments are usually more straightforward than this. But if you want to, number six, enjoy your creative gifts. We don't require, but we do encourage guild members in quests to engage in virtual cosplay. Try taking personas of gallant knights, brave adventurers, ship captains, monster hunters, or whatever suits your God-given imaginative fancy. Quest guides will lead in this imaginative world building. If that's not how you create, no pressure. Stay as normal as you like. Either way, whether or not we engage in virtual cosplay, we are all fans of fantastic stories. Zach, my inspiration there, I will tribute the uh, Narnia web forum uh, where I was a member for quite some time uh, before and after the release of the Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe film in 2005. I actually got to be a moderator there. And as we said on Narnia web, once a modern modest on Narnia web, always a modern modest on Narnia web. So I guess could, I could always come back like King Edmund if I wanted to. Uh, mm -hmm. Lorehaven and everything else uh, keeps me pretty busy. But there was a lot of this kind of light fan fiction like people would change their usernames or they would put a title 
uh, in their username there on the forum, kind of more like the fun days of the internet that you're always talking about, Zach, back when the internet was good. Yeah. Uh, people would, for example, join a thread that I started on a whim, uh, where I started what I called uh, the Holy Order of the Spoiler Free Monastery, in which I said <laughs> that anybody who wanted to uh, could enter these august halls and walls uh, and take a vow of avoiding spoilers. So no roast on, you know, monks or, you know, Catholicism or anything like that. Just having a good bit of clean fun there. Uh, and it proved surprisingly popular. It was the first time I think I'd ever gone viral on a forum. Uh, lots of people flocked into the uh, virtual monastery. Uh, they took their vows. They added their unique spins to them. Uh, they took up uh, roles in monastic service, you know, whether or not they were going to clean the chandeliers or scrub the floors or take care of the victuals and particular uh, mystical beverages and foods. You know, it got really fun. Uh, and ultimately, I think I ended up being the most high reverend father of the Holy Order of the Spoiler Free Monastery, a title that I also uh, preserve to this day. So if we ever need a Spoiler Free Monastery for something else, uh, I may just open one up uh, in the Lorehaven Guild this time. That's the kind of spirit I'm, I'm thinking of. And I, I don't know if we've seen a whole lot of that now. Uh, it may require, you know, some tweaking of the Discord server uh, to enable more of that kind of thing. But it is something that we definitely want to keep an eye toward. And I think it's a way to redirect some of the creative energies of the author types to, you know, hey, we, we respect the creativity that God has given you. You know, let's turn that in service to the fandom, uh, even if you're not talking about the, your exact book or, you know, giving critiques of other people's books. Like we are all creatives here, uh, creative the noun uh, as uh, Andrew Peterson says in his book, Adorning the Dark, there's not a difference between creatives and non-creative because God has given his gift of imagination to everyone. Uh, this is an option for Guild Heroes to have uh, while we are exploring the book quests. You know, Stephen, you're exactly right that this rule, number six, really helps with rule number five. Because if you come to the Guild and, and you want to sort of play pretend, for lack of a better term, uh, virtual cosplay, as you said, you know, then that, that makes it more, you're putting on that persona rather than I'm here as an author to promote my book persona. Uh, because that is really the bane of a lot of Facebook groups I've joined. Uh, there was one Facebook group I found a year or two ago and it was, um, you know, it, it was supposedly a reader's group. Uh, but I scanned through all the posts as soon as I joined and they were all authors just promoting their own books. Uh, because that's what you're supposed to use social media for. You're supposed to just promote yourself. Uh, that's yeah, that's what that... the gurus were saying 15 <laughs> years ago. Someone right. got a hold of an old, dusty social media author promotion manual, yeah. blew the dust off of it, shook loose the cobwebs, and uh, decided <laughs> to give it a go. Right. But, I mean, that's what everyone uses social media for. It's all about building your own personal brand. Now, to the credit of the moderator of that Facebook group, um, I reached out and said, I thought this was supposed to be a readers group do y'all have rules about you know no self-promotion spam and uh this person said you know what you're right I, i'm gonna start cracking down on that and then they started a like a weekly or a monthly like okay here's the thread where you can put all your self-promotion but that that's it we're, we're not gonna allow any other posts that are self-promotion yeah work it Let's out of your actually, system <laughs> yeah right exactly uh so i i appreciated that but you know it, it just, this is what always happens with social media people just want to talk about themselves. And so if that author hat is on, that's, that's how they're going to talk. But I, you know, to, to be honest, I'm not a virtual cosplay kind of person. I've never really been into that sort of thing with forums, but I appreciate that that is here because that does take the focus off of the other kind of personas that people put on. 
You know what, though? In honor of the Hobbit book quest we have coming up in September, I did change my username because Discord does allow this for a particular uh, server. I did change my username to Stephen of Rivendell. Uh, not very creative, you know, not very elven sounding, but I still want people to know that it's me. You know, I don't want to get too far with the whole username approach, but there is something to be said, uh, that at least changing your name, you know, just a little bit. And we've done that a few times. Like I, I think I changed my name to kind of a, a robot looking name, uh, when we did the, the book quest through, uh, Carrie Neitz's lost bits. Uh, I think that's just a way to respect and enjoy uh, the aesthetic of the book that we're exploring every month. So this time, you know, especially if uh, Elijah David is leading the book quest, I mean, I, I intend on helping out where I can, but if I get to attend as just a party guest uh, rather than a party leader, then I might uh, pick one of my favorite uh, races of Middle Earth and try to hew to that personality. We'll, we'll see if I'm able to follow through with that. I'm hoping September isn't too busy. But I am already reading or listening to The Hobbit, and I'm planning to participate because it's one of my favorite books. So, you know, this actually has inspired me. Maybe I need to give uh, a Code of Honor Rule 6 uh, a try here and see if anybody naturally wants to pick up on that, uh, especially because The Hobbit is so famous uh, and the different groups, uh, dwarves, elves, trolls. Well, we don't want trolls. We certainly do not want uh, those <laughs> beasts from the mountains who are going to speak not at all in drawing room language, even if they only have one head each. Uh, we don't want that in the forum. So no trolls, only pretend to be a wizard or an elf or a dwarf or a hobbit, uh, I think, the, or, or a man for that matter, or a woman. Uh, those are the, uh, I guess, the only five approved uh, good guy uh, races there, uh, not including all the divine creatures in Middle-earth as you learn about the Silmarillion and the supporting materials. So let, let's see how that works. Okay, you've inspired me. I'll think of a new username uh, for this month for The Hobbit. Okay. Well, there we go. Again, it's a suggestion. It's a, it's a, not a rule, more like guidelines, <laughs> you know, any kind of mix and match here in the code of honor. Uh, this is simply a way, like you said, Zach, to redirect some of those creative energies to a more fan centric, uh, perspective. Yeah. All right. We've arrived now at uh, code of honor number seven here. This one's pretty simple and it is more of a catch all and it's very guild specific. So it may not relate as much to anyone outside the guild. We just say seven, keep to the quest road. If our quest conversations diverge too far from the quest's main journey, pursue those smaller trails elsewhere. For example, if we end up discussing books different from the selection, move that conversation to another place or request a future side quest to focus on that other book. Uh, that just helps, I think, keep the discussions focused, uh, especially if you have uh, particular channels uh, that uh, have a more broad label there, uh, you may get some spin-off topics. Like, for example, let's say people start talking about the Lord of the Rings uh, in The Hobbit. Well, then we already have a Middle-Earth uh, channel. You can take that, too, so that we can focus on the chapter at hand. And that's how we do the book quest, by the way. We we have a single channel or a single room uh, in the, uh, the guild hall uh, to explore that book. And then about every weekday or so, uh, someone may post uh, a few questions or even one question uh, relating to a chapter. So we go chapter by chapter. Hopefully people can keep pace that way, uh, walk at their own speed on the book quest. And that's how we try to keep uh, the discussions focused. And so far, again, Lord willing, we keep saying that, but so far it's working pretty well. I think folks seem to pick up on that uh, and then understand, hey, we've got enough space to talk about other, other things. If you want to talk about another Tolkien book, we've got a Middle Earth thread or if you want to talk about Wheel of Time and whether or not the, that was inspired by Tolkien or something, then go to the Your Favorite Books channel or whatever we're calling it. Uh, we've got enough space for all of those subtopics. And that's just a matter of keeping things sorted, 
trying to keep things in their proper place and uh, make sure to avoid uh, too many rabbit trails. Yeah, and this goes back to our main point and main purpose for Lorehaven itself, which is to promote Christian fantastical fiction. Uh, we are not simply the Christian Discord server for talking all things science fiction and fantasy, everything out there. We are primarily for Christian novels. And so um, that's always going to be the main quest, and that's going to be the main topics of discussion. Uh, it's not to dissuade the other things entirely, but just to kind of, it's a matter of emphasis or proportionality. With that, I think we may be near the end of this journey, but I'm very curious, faithful listener, uh, what codes of honor have you followed? Are they written or unwritten? Uh, because uh, even before we started, uh, Zach was making the point that no matter where you go, with a creative group or a local church or any community of any kind, there's going to be a code of honor, whether or not it's written. Uh, it seems to me that at least uh, before you join for a new group, there's an advantage to having a written code. There may be flaws in it. Uh, there may be some things uh, oversaid or left unsaid, but hey, at least the organizers are trying. And in my experience, it is uh, a lot more effective to lay that out before you even start the group. Uh, rather than to try to backfill a code of honor or change one from underneath people uh, that can get pretty controversial. So, hey, by the way, just pray for the Lorehaven Guild. Uh, we definitely want this to be a community that exalts Christ uh, through the exploration of these stories, uh, these fantastical novels by Christian authors. Uh, no matter how long it goes, uh, we want that to be its purpose. So just pray for the heroes, whether or not you're one of them. And uh, join us for The Hobbit. Uh, consider joining us uh, simply by subscribing at lorehaven.com. We will email you that exclusive invitation, and then you too can go on an adventure into the wild. Uh, from there, Zach, let's go to our comm station. And we got a lot of feedback uh, after our last episode with Kevin McCreary, the one about the Christian cringe. Uh, given our length here, I think we have time for only one or two feedbacks. But what do we have over here in this uh, bleeping, blooping control panel? So Nicholas Tiemann commented on this episode on our Facebook discussion about it and said, quote, fun fact, all high budget Christian cringe is made by a single individual cringe lore who gained the power to transcend time and decency after being bitten by a radioactive youth pastor. Head cannon accepted. Yeah. Head cannon accepted. <laughs> yeah. Most of the feedback for this one was, uh, was, was really positive. A, a lot of people understood what we meant by Christian cringe, even if they have maybe disagreed with any particular examples. Uh, speaking of, uh, un, un, unreplied to feedback, uh, there's at least uh, one faithful listener who, uh, responded, uh, at least took issue with one example of Christian cringe that I had. It was more a matter of a prayer practice in a, in a Christian movie. I still need to reply about that one. But I, I think basically my reply will point to our concession stand where we said, hey, you know, you may disagree with the specific examples of cringe that we identify. And in that case, well, you know, the cringe, what we think is cringe may help you or it may remind you of somebody, you know, in real life who's not cringe. Like we don't mean to pick on that person or their beliefs uh, so long as they're within uh, biblical orthodoxy. Uh, it's simply a matter of being open to recognizing you may find that cringe later. Uh, or if for that matter, you may think it's cringe now and not find it cringe later, you know, who knows? Uh, but either way, uh, it, there is a difference between a creative product that some people think has some cringe elements and real life, uh, real people behave in very cringe ways. We are called to love them. And that goes back to our point here, uh, Zach, about respect and avoiding harassment and such like, you know, you need to love the cringe maker or the cringe believer. <laughs> 
uh, even if you do not particularly love the cringe. Yeah, I, I think the solution, like so many things, is grace and truth. We have to be truthful about when our own art, you know, especially within the church, when when we fall short of some, and yes, objective standards. Uh, as we talked about, I do think there are objective standards of beauty. And I, I think it's actually pretty easy to convince Christians of this because uh, the idea that art is totally subjective and just like morality and everything else, that, that's a very postmodern new be- belief. I think that good art is like you know, all, all the beauty that we enjoy in nature. It's like you don't have to be convinced that it's beautiful. If, if you're trying too hard to convince yourself a story is really good, then maybe that's a sign it's not. So we have to be truthful, but then we have to be gracious uh, because people enjoy different things. And, you know, everyone has their own comfort food, whether that's actual food or, <laughs> or story based food. You know, I, I can think of a friend I work with. Uh, he really liked that movie, The Meg, that's about the Megalodon. You know, it's sort of like a retelling of Jaws, I guess. I'm not exactly sure. Or, or Deep Blue Sea. It's about a giant shark that eats people. Uh, you know, it's not a super intellectual film. <laughs> it's not very deep thematically. Uh, there's no great purpose or importance to it. And so uh, some of our mutual friends were making fun of him for watching this. And he's like, uh, look, I... There's plenty of movies I watch just to chill out and relax and kind of unplug from all the cares of the world. And this is one of them. And I'm going to keep watching it and enjoying it for that reason. And I'm like, you know what? I can respect that. That's uh, shark movies are not my fandom, but if that's your fandom, that I get it. There's always going to be things that other people like that, that cause us to cringe or even that we used to like and that we kind of cringe at now. But like we said, there's, there's always things that we make that are cringy. And look, uh, we have to laugh at ourselves first and then, um, but let's be gracious to others, uh, while telling the truth. Amen to that. And a good code of honor, whether internal or written down can help us deal uh, with those disputes over whether or not the thing is cringe. Like for example, I will own the fact that I do not hate the Hobbit movies. Uh, I don't, uh, the first one is especially good. The second one gets a little bit more cringy at certain moments. There are some absolute over the top cringe moments there that make uh, the cringiest Christian movie uh, look like high art. And then the third one is just kind of mixed, but I do not hate them. And I will own that. And I know that some people will look at me and go, well, you like the cringe stuff. And in that case, well, then I think that person needs a code of honor to show respect to me and not harass me about that. But then I need a code of honor to show respect to you, even if I think that what you enjoy is cringe. How have you handled those situations with or without a written code of honor? Email us podcast at lorehaven.com. Use the comment section on the website, lorehaven.com slash podcast. Or, of course, you can tag us on the socials. Let us know what you think. Uh, Let us know how codes of honor have helped you, whether it's ours or someone else's. Meanwhile, at Lorehaven, as we have mentioned, Monday, September the 5th, we are going there and back again, starting our expected journey into J.R.R. Tolkien's classic fantasy, The Hobbit. Join us in the Lorehaven Guild by subscribing free at lorehaven.com. We'll email you that invitation. Last week, we had Marion Jacobs' new article at lorehaven.com. That was about how, in her words, she masked her mental health with costume design uh, and then found some uh, better, healthier reasons to work on costumes. Some really good ones, including the award winner at the Realm Awards uh, in July 2022. Uh, she had a fabulous representation of the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. That is the entire book 
Uh, she got uh, drumming on the tables for that. Uh, even uh, it beat out some uh, very, very excellent cosplay there. Uh, expressions of uh, Christian creativity there. Also at lorehaven.com, uh, we also published our book review of a book called Immortal Guardian. Uh, it looked to me, Zach, based on the description, like uh, Jason Bourne meets uh, paranormal uh, spiritual warfare stuff going on. Really interesting premise there. Go check that out. All links in the show notes, by the way. Uh, we also last week shared our article, Three Christian Fantastical Stories to Help Your Kids Head Back to School. Uh, that's applicable to you, especially if you have kids ages 8 through 12 and you want to find them some great, uh, fantastical reading material that's uh, age-appropriate and from Christian creators. Uh, next up, uh, of course, we're doing the Hobbit book quest uh, next week, but this week, uh, not sure what else we have planned other than this podcast, but we are doing an advanced review on Friday of a book called The Change. Uh, that is book three of a series called The Chase Runner series uh, from Mountain Brook Fire. Uh, by Bradley Caffey. Uh, we're going to have that review posted on Friday. Next on Fantastical Truth, the saga begins. Lord willing, not long ago, we talked about church libraries and how these resources can help Christians find the best books, including, if not now, then in the future, Christian-made fantastical fiction. But what about public libraries? How can Christians best discern and enjoy this resource? Well, we're going to speak with a public library director who also happens to be a prolific Christian novelist of science fiction, fantasy, steampunk, paranormal suspense, and beyond. Steve Raza will be the first guest of our new saga of episodes that we're assembling for this September on Fantastical Truth. Meanwhile, practice a code of honor, not just one you make up according to other people's expectations of respect and things like that but practice a code of honor that is derived from scripture as best you can make it. Get help from the people around you. Get help from mature adults who have demonstrated honorable and Christ-like conduct. I think that's the only way we can handle uh, some of these disputes that we have in Christian groups or creative groups. That's the only way we can find unity, not just in behavior codes, but in Christ as we continue to seek and find his fantastical truth.